Welcome to the Fast Fit Podcast. I'm Suzanne Hobbs. And I'm Doug Zuko. We are here to help you get your body back. Our story began in 2014. My life was interrupted by a heart attack. Even though I was in great shape, worked out all the time, and ate right. So I had to figure out what I had to fix in myself to prevent this from happening again. And through that discovery, we have now helped thousands of people reclaim their bodies, get healthy, and transform their lives. And now we're going to share everything we learned with you, and we're going to bring on the most groundbreaking, cutting-edge stories and leaders in the health and wellness industry. And it's all going to be right here on the Fast Fit Podcast. We have such a great show lined up today. I'm really excited, Doug. I'm very excited. With us in the studio all the way from Chicago, Illinois, is Rick Jordan. You are the CEO, founder of Reach Out. And what that is, is that's a technology and cybersecurity firm. You got it. Right on. You believe in technology just like we do. I do. I do. There's a lot of things that it can help enhance life with, you know, and I can't wait to see where the next 10 years is going to go either. Well, before we start, just explain about your business a little bit. Yeah, it started out as a, as sort of like a break-fix IT support kind of thing in consulting firm, and then it morphed into managed services, and then cybersecurity has just been this overarching theme throughout the whole thing. You know, But then there's also physical security components too, like surveillance and guard work, and even insider threat detection to where we investigate behavioral anomalies with individuals in a corporation. Wow, so you do it all. Yeah, we're almost like a, you know, kind of like a corporate spy. Oh, good. So you run a business that you absolutely have to rely on technology that you can't do the job just as a human, right? It's impossible to. Absolutely. You know, but it's funny you say that because the technology is what kind of throws up the red flags for us. But then it still takes humans on the back end with their brains to actually analyze what's there. You know, so that's almost the investigatory part. You have to take a look at the data and say, is this worth checking out or is it legit? That's really good. And as, as, as we talked about, as the technology improves, it makes your job even more enhanced and you can help people in new ways. It does. And what I'm really starting to love now is behavioral analysis for individuals. You know, it'll take groups of individuals within a corporation. Let's take a law firm, for example. You have attorneys, then you have partners that are the attorneys as well, the founding partners. Then you also have paralegals, you have secretaries, all these different functional groups that exist. And they will all have very similar patterns. So you might say on one week, hey, you know what, in this group of 30 secretaries at this large law firm, one sent out 20% more email attachments than everybody else in that group this week. Why did that person do this? You know, and those are the things we start to investigate. Maybe there was a, a new large case that, that took effect. She had to send out medical records or he had to send out you know, data, whatever it is. But that's what we need to investigate because it could be, like I've seen before, siphoning case files off to go start the firm of their own. Wow. wow, I never thought about that. I thought yeah. she was doing a good job. Maybe I know, not. right? Yeah, but th- but those are the anomalies that, that kind of yeah. pop up. But that's why it still takes a human being to, to jump in there and say, you know, let's check this out. We can even go as far as sending in an operative, so to speak, that real corporate spy to kind of dive in and, and pose as an employee, one of the staff members of that firm. That sounds really fun. It's it is like, fun. It's like your life is a movie. Yeah, right. I, I had no, no idea. Right? You are a spy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who are you really? There. <laughs> Give us another great story or example of what your company does to help in the technology field. Yeah, absolutely. There was, uh, I love telling this story because it, I'm a big guy when it comes to ethics. You know, I have a book that's out about that too. And there's these external forces and pressures that kind of push in on people's lives and forces them to make bad decisions. You know, I always say you never really know who you are, you know, even holding a mirror up in front of yourself until those pressures kind of hit you in life. Because you may think that you'll decide the right way the whole time, but in fact, it's like 95% of us kind of fall into this middle area called situational ethics. 
So this one gentleman, a salesperson actually for a production company, he had a $25 million book of business. The company did about $100 million of revenue total every single year. He was responsible for a quarter of that. And he had back taxes. He had three ex-wives. He had child support for his kids for multiple wives. And then the alimony for all of them. You know, just a lot of financial struggles. And this guy was starting to really feel this pressure. So he decided one day, oh, I've got this opportunity. I need to make some quick cash for whatever the new need was that came up. And he downloaded his entire book of business onto a USB flash drive. You know, the, the little drives you plug into the side of your computer yeah. worth $25 million. You know, customer invoices, uh, financial records, trends, service records, everything that existed for that $25 million book of business set off red flags in the system. I picked up the phone. This is just when we were starting to play around with this about three years ago, right? So it, it was really cool to see this happen right off the bat. And you really start to get to know people <laughs> that, that they'll do these things. But we found out about this. The red flag came up, called the owner, said, hey, let's pull up GPS in his company vehicle right now. And he's sitting in the parking lot of their largest competitor. Yeah. So he was taking that book of business to try to leverage it for a higher paying position with somebody else, trying to bring that with him. So that, that's what happens, you know? And I don't even know if he was a bad guy or not. I don't know him that well. I don't think that he was, but he just had all this stuff in life, you know, just this re repetitious bad decision-making that had snowballed on him. And then he was forced into this bad territory. So that's what we did. We, we went to the attorneys and gave him all the data. They ended up paying him more money, actually, to keep him, almost to buy his loyalty, so to speak. I know uh, that wasn't my way, <laughs> mm, yeah. but it, I, I, it wasn't my call to make, you know. But still, we're the ones that provided the information and sort of caught the dude red-handed. So even good people make bad decisions under stress. All the time. Absolutely. You know, there's that 5% on one side who will say, you know, I am going to make the right call every single time. And, and they just do. You know, if there's a $100 bill that's dropped on the streets, they will pick it up. And even if the person is 10 blocks away, they know it's not theirs. And they will just dash into a sprint trying to catch up with that person because they have to give it back. You know, there's people on the other side of the spectrum, of course, that won't do the right thing ever. <laughs> they will be the ones to see that $100 bill, pick it up, just put it in their pocket, look around a bit and keep going. You know, it's not even a second thought, thought to them. But most of us, including me, you know, I know because you take reflective looks at your life and in the past and say, oh, I probably could have made a better decision there. Right. 95% of those, you know, maybe that's bad math, 5%, 5%, 95%. I don't care. But all of us, almost all of us fit into this middle area that I call situational ethics, you know, to where these pressures just push in on our lives and we're forced to kind of make a judgment call in that moment, you know, and it depends. Let's talk about decisions yeah. because you are also here to talk to us, not just about technology, but about, you know, you're awfully busy with what you're doing. A little bit. And you, <laughs> you probably have used the excuse of, you know, oh, I can eat this or I can hit the drive through here. Right. So that used to be my life. Oh my gosh. A little bit about my background in, in technology. I was the very first Geek Squad agent in the Chicago market. And I was also the one who trained most of the Geek Squad agents across the United States. And then also in Canada. I trained every single one that existed in Canada about wow. 15 years ago when everything was being launched. When I was doing that, it was a McDonald's all the time. <laughs> you know, double cheeseburgers, fries. It was just the quickest, easiest thing to do. And then I started into business on my own, launched a couple of companies. And... Uh, the patterns remained, 
you're still just so hectic and you're trying to squeeze and work. And now I have a young family at that point, 11 years ago. It was just kind of crazy, you know, until one point I watched this documentary. Can I say the name of the documentary? That's yeah, cool. Awesome. Fat, sick and nearly dead. Have you ever seen that? Yes. I think it's, I have, yes. Yeah, it, it's, it was a, I don't know if it was so much of a wake up call, but it was more of, oh, well, if all it takes really is discipline, I'm one of the most disciplined people that I know. <laughs> I, I can dive in into this and I can stick with the rhythm as long as I set up a rhythm, no problem. And that's what I did in, in 2013. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do nutrition and exercise. I'm going to stick to 1500 calories a day because I know that my body where I'm at right now, I was what, 280 pounds, something like that. I'm right at about 200 and have good muscle mass right now. Wow, you look great now. Well, thank you. Thank you. How much weight had you put on? Oh, I had plateaued for a little bit, but from the point where I started into this, you know, being in the car all day and, you know, just sitting in front of a desk, it was about the same amount, about 80 pounds. I started at about 200 pounds when I got into te technology coming out of high school and then my college years. And then from that point on, it just gradually increased until I plateaued at about 280. So I, I really never had an issue with portion control. You know, that's why I think that I plateaued at that point. It was more, I, I had a sweet tooth. And oh my gosh, I developed this, what I would call an addiction to Mountain Dew. <laughs> I mean, still to this day, you know, it might be once a year that I'll have one, but oh my God, it is just so good. Yeah. It really, <laughs> you know, it's not even great for you. I mean, it's, no. it's really bad for you. Right? That's right. So in about 2013 is when you decided I have to do something. Exactly. Let's go back though. Talk about what was it like to have that extra weight on? And it, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but what did you feel like? And it couldn't have been feeling so great. Now, you know, you start to see the scale creep up and you start to see your pant size creep up year over year. And then I think I topped out at a 42, something like that. As far as my pant size, I'm at, I'm at a 33 right now, you know, which is perfect for me. I, I love it. 33 slim. Look at that. Nice. There we go. Perfect. All right. Yes. <laughs> He's looking snazzy in the studio. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. It did come on gradually. And I don't even know if it was a, it wasn't even like an epiphany that I, that I had when I saw this documentary, it was just more of a, relational thought process saying, well, if that's all it is, is discipline, then I can, I can do that. I can stick with discipline in other areas of my life. So this is not going to be an issue. But as far as how I was feeling, I started to, even in my twenties, right? I played baseball for eight years in, in my teen years, you know, as a catcher, a really good hitter, but being a catcher, you squat down all the time. Right. You know, and even though it's still in your teens, I know that I know that my cartilage was just worn away, even being that young. And I would start to feel it. Even just going upstairs, I would start to feel it. You know, steps at, at 280 pounds, that was way more weight than what I was supposed to handle. And I've got a pretty decent sized frame to begin with, but my body was just saying, hey, there's something wrong here. <laughs> you know, you start to get some gut issues with all that stuff just because of what you're eating. You know, and it, it was just pains and, you know, trying to figure out, oh, am I lactose intolerant? Well, no, I, I'm not. You know, but every time I would eat really just the junk and the sludge that would just slow everything down, I would start to feel horrible. Until so finally I started having even like heart palpitations in 2010 you know, and it, I got all the tests done, everything. And they're like, Oh, your, your heart's the heart of an 18 year old. You're good to go. And you were in your thirties. Yeah. I was uh, right at 30 years old at that okay. point when that started happening. Yeah. It's that a lot of it might've been stress, you know, and I was never even a stress eater either, but the, this, you just look at yourself in the mirror, you know, and everyone would tell me, Oh, you're not fat. I look back at photos of myself right now and I was fat <laughs> you know, it's like, nice, huh? I, know, I guess like oh well you carried it well has anybody ever heard that before oh, yes. <laughs> yes. well I, I wish they would have been more truthful with me but would you, you have listened and done something when somebody pulled you aside and said hey 
You're not looking so great anymore. What's my personality, on? I would. Okay. I know there's a lot of individuals out there that would not, and they would just take offense to it. Just say, love me for the way that I am. You know, well, that to me, that's almost kind of the point. I, I do love you very much. Anybody that I would love, I would want to bring them aside and say the same thing because I, I do want them to have the best possible life they can. And this is a perfect way to start that. I, there was a post on Facebook the other day. That it was the, this nice place, a plate of healthy foods. You know, there, there was some hard-boiled eggs on there and some, some microgreens and a whole bunch of just really good-looking stuff. Things that I would eat pretty much every day, now anyways, at least. And it said, I am starting my healthy eating month today. I know. I'm oh, like, that drives me crazy. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking at this and I'm sending it to who's doing some of my social media right now. I'm like, can you post something about this today? Because yeah. this is just kind of crazy to me. Why would you just want to do this for a month? You know, it, it's it's a life shift. And that word diet, I despise so much too. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just a guy who likes to be healthy. <laughs> I'm a guy who wants to live the best life I possibly can. I'm a guy that wants to be around for my kids. I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle rather than having maybe some potential heart issues before that happens 10 years from now. You know, that, you. That's you. Those are the goals. And how do you feel now? I feel amazing. You know, I, uh, I did go through some issues about two years after. Tell us about the issues. I will give you these issues. It was... It's crazy. And I learned this after the fact. So 2013 is when I started. I dropped the first 50 of my 80 pounds in about the first six months. Came off so fast. So I was eating 1,500 calories. And from what I understand, this is just simple math. Right? <laughs> if you have a deficit, you're going to lose weight, period. You know, and I did. I calculated everything it was about 3,200 calories is what I needed to consume on a daily basis in order to maintain that 280. I'm like, well, 1500, no problem. That's how I dropped it so fast. You know, it, it was something crazy. Just a lot of water intake too and flushing out the toxins. Things were going fantastic, at least for the first two months <laughs> when I started into this process. I was doing a lot of exercise as well. I was doing strength training uh, Monday, Tuesday, sorry, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I was doing cardio and I bought a stationary bike. I love the stationary bike. I don't know why. This is that discipline thing, you know, for a lot of people, they say they get bored when they get onto something like this, it's almost mindless. So they put on TV, you know, I just throw in some music, you know, and I just rock through it. It's a good time to process your thoughts too. I think I don't get bored at all. I love just plowing through. And by the time you get to the end, it's like, Oh, 30 minutes is gone already. Okay. <laughs> Two months into this, I start getting some pains in my chest. I'm like, Oh, what's going on? You know, the, I had these palpitations a couple of years ago. I, I go into the ER a couple of times and every time I go in, they say it's pleurisy. And pleurisy is, you know, it's the inflammation of the lining of your lungs, between your lungs and your ribs. So every time I would inhale, it would almost be like sandpaper in my chest that was rubbing wow. up against my ribs and it just hurt like hell. <laughs> and it felt like almost a cardiac incident at that point, that there was some kind of heart issue going on because of the type of pain and where it was located. Everything still checked out okay. They would just give me anti-inflammatories. I started realizing that I was pushing myself too hard doing what I was doing, you know, and I did not hire a trainer or anyone to help guide me on this because I'm, I'm a self-starter. I just go out and educate myself on pretty much everything that's there. That was the wrong way to do it. After three trips into the ER, I said, you know what, skip this. I, I hate feeling this way. I can just do this with nutrition. And I stopped exercising. That, that was about two to three months into this. I dropped the remainder of the weights just on nutrition alone eating about 1500 calories a day, deficit dieting, as I guess it's called now. I, I don't even think that was a buzzword five years ago, <laughs> you know, but now it is. Everything was fantastic. I was looking slim. 
you know, when I look back at pictures of myself, you know, when I was fat, you definitely notice. When I look back at pictures of myself, when I lost the 80 pounds, you also definitely notice that there wasn't something exactly right. Even though I was a lot less <laughs> in weight, you look at my arms and they were twigs. You know, I still had a little bit of a, of a pouch, so to speak, on my stomach, which was also, hey, why is that? You know, there's a new term I heard, what, a year ago, skinny fat? Yeah. Yeah. It's visceral fat, that's, but they call it skinny fat. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of how I was. I was a good, healthy weight, good BMI, but I didn't look that great. You know, I didn't have a typical V-shape like I do right now, like a lot of healthy men do. And that happens very commonly with people to diet because the easiest tissue to lose is muscle mass. Oh, no doubt. And that I, I, I am totally on board with that. Well, you know a lot better than me. I'm just a guy that went through it, you know, and did it the wrong way, which we're getting to. <laughs> but yeah, it, that's exactly what happened. When I look back at myself, I see that, that I had next to zero muscle mass at that point. So it wasn't just fat that I lost. It was also muscle mass just doing this deficit dieting. It, it, what is it, Doug? Is it proteins that, that, and amino acids that your body still needs and it starts to break down the muscle? Well, it just that needs process? nutrition. Okay. Right? And the only tissue that we really store nutrition is our muscles. Okay. Muscles are very nutritious. So sure. if you don't eat enough, we're going to lose muscle fast. Yeah, that's good. That was a bad way to go about this. I went on an extremely low fat diet and it wasn't even intentional. It was just what I was eating. I'm going to do high protein. I'll do egg whites, you know, so, some organic cage free. It was fantastic. I was doing very healthy, clean foods as well. A lot of greens, the meats that I was eating, even red meat was just grass fed. You know, a lot of bison included in that as well. I mean, just amazing tasting red meats, a lot of fish that I added to my diet. I love fish too, any kind of seafood. Things seemed to be going okay until two years after I started this process, I had been at a healthy weight for about a year now. And I started getting these weird symptoms, you know, almost like some lightheadedness. I remember I was just getting a haircut one day and I sit down and all of a sudden I start to go numb from my toes and it starts creeping up my legs. I'm like what is going on here? So I get up. The stylist wasn't in there yet. I go into the bathroom. I'm looking at myself in the mirror, uh, almost talking to myself, you know, <laughs> dude, what is going on? You know, the, pull yourself together. You're just getting a stinking haircut. It almost felt like a bit of anxiety, but I knew it wasn't anxiety because I'm a very level headed guy. I go back and I'm just getting a haircut. I mean, it's a place I'd been going to for a couple of years now. No, no big deal. I sit back down and at this point I start to feel like I'm just going to topple over. Like I, I can't maintain consciousness. That's how I felt. So I said, you need to call uh, an ambulance for me, dial 911, get somebody in here. So the paramedics come in and in the meantime, they're feeding me candy because you know, they think, oh, it's a blood sugar thing. And at this point I was almost kind of incoherent. I didn't even know what was going on for the most part. Paramedics come in and I remember they had to hold me up because I couldn't even walk just because I couldn't, I had no strength in my legs. I get to the hospital and everything checks out okay. Like, oh, you know, do you have anxiety issues? I'm like, listen, guys, everything's going great. <laughs> Building a multi-million dollar business. I feel fantastic. I've got an amazing family. You know, I, I just dropped weight two years ago. I look good now. Finally, the first time in my life I felt anyways that I was actually very secure with, with my physical appearance. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let me let me give you some stuff and we'll see if you calm down. I'm like, calm down, whatever. So it gives me some, I don't even remember what it was, some anxiety medication and the IV and Still no change because you know, he said that my blood pressure was a little high and I'd never had high blood pressure in my life either. They send me home. Everything looks great. That was the first of about eight trips to the ER that year. Similar symptoms the entire time. 
nobody was finding anything. They were starting to do, I was getting second opinions, third opinions. They were starting to look at, you know, for tumors in my brain as far as what was going on because nothing really gelled. And it started not looking like anxiety symptoms to some of the doctors. It was looking like something systemic that was going on. But no one could pinpoint anything. They even did a CT scan of my abdomen. And I'd say that intentionally because of what I'm about to tell you is exactly what was found. The CT scan, they still came back clean. It got to the point to where I started believing one of the doctors that I saw one of the opinions when they said, listen, it's anxiety, it's depression. Let me give you some pills and you're going to be able to snap out of this in a few months. I say, okay. <laughs> At that point, I, I really had nowhere else to turn. I, everyone else was telling me that physically I was fine. My wife and I take a trip down to Florida just to hang out. It was, this was December, the first week of December, 2015. We're there for five days. We go to a fantastic Mexican food restaurant. And about an hour later, I get the most intense pain that I've ever had in my entire life, right underneath my right rib, the bottom rib that's over there. And I still give my wife a hard time on this because I'm starting to tell her it's going around on my back. I'm starting to feel this pain around on my back and I'm doubled over at this point. She's like, oh, it's just all in your head. <laughs> but keep in mind, no, I, right I like here. to give her, I know, right? <laughs> I like to give her a hard time because she, for the previous eight months, was the one that was always driving me to every single one of my doctor's appointments. She was always there for me when I would sort of have these episodes. You know, she was amazing through this entire thing. So finally, it was almost like when I threw in the towel and said, okay, Maybe it is what this one doctor is saying with anxiety and depression. Then it just sort of resonated and, and trickled down effect in my family. So she felt the same way. She's like, oh, whatever, you're, you're fine. There's no big deal. I said, no, I, this time I really, really need to go. This was in Florida. I go to the hospital and they do an ultrasound on my gallbladder. I said, oh, you have a lot of stones. You know, don't get too attached to your gallbladder, but nothing looks infected. Everything's cool. You know, you just go home, see your primary, and he'll refer you to a surgeon probably at some point in the next couple of years. Okay, great. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Go home. They offered to keep me over overnight for pain management, but instead I just said I just need to get a flight. I just want to be home at this point. Two days later, I'm in the ER back at home in Chicago, and my stomach is distended. At this point, now I'm a slim guy, but now it looks like I'm about four or five months pregnant. <laughs> going to the ER, they're like, you know what? We, we got the records from Florida. We're just going to take your gallbladder out. We think that it's just flaring up too much here. You still have tenderness. So we're just going to admit you and get it taken care of. The surgeon, the night before my surgery, which by the way, he was a fantastic surgeon. I'm so happy for him and grateful for him. He was even trying to talk me out of the procedure. He's like, you know, all the scans show that everything is okay. So you're probably just passing stones, man. That's it. And th there's nothing wrong. But if I'm going in there, I'm taking out the gallbladder, no matter what. Even if it looks perfectly fine, I'm still taking it out. That's just what we do. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm like, listen, this is like the first almost, almost concrete thing that I've gotten <laughs> so far. So dude, go in and take this thing out. I don't care what it looks like or whatever, but... I know I can live without it and I'll just deal with it. You know, anything that's after that. He goes in the 45 minute surgery. You talk about technology, right? That I'm in this robotics, 45 minute robotic surgery. The whole thing is supposed to do the incisions. You know, it was laparoscopic, but with these amazing robotic arms, the 45 minutes turns into three hours. I find out all of this after the fact, of course, the surgeon had to go in and disengage the robots 
and cut me open himself because my gallbladder was so large at this point. They did all the analysis after the fact. And when they take a look at it, when they, I guess they dissect it, you know, this is a little gross, but they dissect it. And it was literally black necrotic gangrenous on the internal side of this gallbladder. It had grown weird adhesions, I think is what they called, which is almost like these tissue arms and attached itself to my pancreas, my liver and my kidney on this side. And it was literally sucking life out of other organs uh, on that side of my body. And I start to ask, well, why, why did this happen? You know, I'm grateful that it's out and now I'm great. <laughs> I'm g- really glad that this was found. But what happened? Like, you know, you lost weight a couple years ago, right? And I said, yeah. Like, well, if you go super low fat, your gallbladder, this is the MDs explaining this to me, right? The, your gallbladder starts to go stagnant. When you eat fatty foods, your gallbladder needs to spasm and pump some extra shots of that concentrated bile to help digest the fats in your small intestine. Since you were eating way low fats, it didn't fluctuate or exercise almost like a muscle. It didn't fluctuate and use itself enough to where all that concentrated bile just sat in there and started getting infected and then just ate everything. And that was the reason for the weird symptoms because on the outside, everything looked great. And it was all sort of contained right in that one area until that last month or so when this thing almost became parasitic inside of me and started reaching out. So when I look back at how I dropped the weight, discipline is great. And I still say that discipline and consistency is still the best form to any kind of success in any area of your life. But I would like to add a third right now, and that's knowledge and maybe education, you know, and whether that's self-discovery or, or taking a look at things on your own or engaging the help and coaching of somebody else that you, that you might need in your life at that point, you still need that in order to do these things properly. And that applies to everything for me because I did it the wrong way. It almost killed me. Well, that's not uncommon, uncommon at all because people don't realize, especially you, because you're an overachiever. So you really put everything into it. You sort of overdid it, right? Congratulations on the first part for, for losing the the weight. But, you know, you may not have had to, I almost guarantee you wouldn't have the same results if you were a little older. Sure. Because when you're, Usually around 35, 35 to 40, let's say, is where we lose the ability to burn visceral fat. Huh. So I don't care if you run marathons, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's the most toxic fat in your body. But you were young enough, you could do that. But now there's another problem. This may have something to do with what happened to your gallbladder. The, the pollutants in our body, the toxins, right? Sure. When we lose fat, our fat cells are loaded with toxicity. And how we make those fat cells smaller is we empty them out. Just like taking a plastic bag or like a water balloon and putting some holes in it and squeezing that fluid out. And now it's flat. Okay. So just like you take a a sandwich bag, right? There's maybe 200 of them on a roll. You take one out, you blow it up. Now we can't fit that one back in the box. Correct. That's what fat cells are like. Right. So what happens is when we expel that toxicity too fast and we don't have a plan to metabolize it and get out of our body, those pollutants ravage our body and can cause us a lot of health problems. And that may have been what happened to the gallbladder. Oh, that's intriguing. So by using technology and by creating a way for your body to metabolize that and get it out of the, out of the body, you prevent all those problems. But, you know. Awesome. How do you do that? <laughs> we use technology. <laughs> you come to it. fast fit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, you know. 
I, I, I cringe a little bit about the calories in, calories out. Yeah. Because even with the, even with the exercise, I mean, because that's what you're, that's what really burns the fat, the exercise. No doubt. When you get over that age of about 35 to 40, somewhere in that realm, we lose that ability. So I don't care what you do. You can yeah. run 24 hours a day and you won't lose that visceral fat. But, you know, so that, that's one thing I want to elaborate on. And the other thing is we got to be careful how fast, if we don't have a plan to get those toxins out of the body, we got to be careful because that is much more detrimental releasing those toxins than leaving them stored in the fat cells. Does that mm. make sense? It does. Yeah. I, just thinking back and trying to tie everything together from what you said, where I lost the first 50 pounds in the first six months, you know, and 20 of that I think was even in the first really six weeks. Yeah, it just came off so fat because of, so fat, so fast. <laughs> the fat came off so fat because of the, the extreme deficit in calories in and calories out that I had. And I, yeah, that was, that was the wrong way, man. <laughs> I well, I mean, you're, I, I don't want to say it's wrong. It's congratulations. Yeah. But it was very, very hard on you. It was. And, uh, you, and you paid the price. And even though you looked healthy, you obviously weren't healthy. You wouldn't have all those health problems. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. After going through everything that I did, you can't help but look back and say, what could I have done differently? Was there a better way? Because I had some negative effects on it and it took me a few years to recover. But Doug, what? What would have been a better way for me to go about this? And that's why we're doing these podcasts to try to get information out because we don't know what we don't know. So we go out there and we, you know, do the best way that we know how, but there is a better way. And and the way to do it safely and effective is a system that uses LED lights. Because with LED lights, it not only gets the toxicity out of the fat cell and allow, allow the fat cell to shrink, but in the FastFit program, we it's the process of eliminating the toxins from the body so you don't have the health consequences later because we do it the safest most effective and the fastest way to get great results to lose fat without muscle loss actually people gain muscle by coming to us so you sort of had a two-step program where you know you had lost muscle lost fat and now you're trying to rebuild the body where basically that could all be done in one at one time and really condensed time one other thing about how I did this is that it just consumed pretty much everything about my life. Six days a week working out, a couple hours a day. Uh, I wasn't trying to be Dwayne Johnson. You know, that's that dude's whole career is built upon that. I just want to be fit. I just want to be tone. If I could gain all that time back, what, what would have happened? You know, and nowadays, is that even the right way to do this anymore? Well, you know, when I was younger, I did it the wrong way also. Right. We were always taught a certain way. And, and yes, we wanted to save time, of course, because we're busy. But then we like just like you say, you become, you, you know, become all consumed. So it took up your life trying to get to, to your goal. Right. Yeah. And you got there, but you paid a heavy price to your body and your health. So that's why our system is, is a gradual system. I say gradual. It happens very fast. But what happens is the body transform, you know, fat shrinks, muscle, muscle grows. And with just a, a few like you know basically people come into our, our office twice a week right and they go for a walk after that and if they want to do some strength training on their own that's great but basically that's all that has to happen so that's a very we're, we're talking about you know a couple hours a week compared to you know several hours six days a week yeah that would have been fantastic man so we save time yeah now i i love i love physical exercise you know i i I do a little bit of cardio. It's probably about 20% cardio, but about 80% of it is just strength training. That's almost all that I do now just to stay tone. And it's fantastic. I mean, I still have the sweet tooth. 
you know, but I curve it in different ways now. And one of the biggest things that I've benefited from is actually adding a lot of saturated fats to my diet. You know, almost like the, the bulletproof mentality. It's sort of modified a little bit. Again, I'm not completely educated in that, but it, I just grabbed some pieces of information. And even coming out of the, the whole gallbladder deal, now, from what I understand, I w- because that gallbladder is a reservoir and stores up all that concentrated bile, your liver is constantly producing bile. Yeah, but the gallbladder uses what your liver doesn't need to send to your small intestine to help digest your meals for that day, that week, whatever. I don't have that reservoir anymore. So there's just constant bile, just continuous flow into my small intestine. And the bile is there to process fats, to help digest the fats. I still had some cramping and some pain about six months after my surgery. And when I started, no joke, adding just two tablespoons of grass-fed butter (laughs) every single morning, it was like an instant flip around for me. And as I started reading more and educating myself even more, I found out that that bile was then being used up to help digest those fats. Not only did it help that, but it actually helped my cognitive ability too, because of all the, the fantastic fatty acids that are in saturated fats, you know, and I still don't eat over in a, an overabundance of fats on a daily basis, but starting my day out that way every single day is just amazing for me. Even when I'm traveling, you know, this morning I splurged and I had some pancakes. I don't eat that many carbs usually, but I had some pancakes. They're just, um, I love them. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> but I'm loading them up with the butter. You know, and there's a couple of restaurants here where I'm staying in Vegas that have fantastic grass-fed butter in the restaurants, that, just even for breakfast. So I just load my pancakes up with that, like okay. I did this morning, yeah. Well, if you want a, a real quick tip, right? Yeah. I would stay away from the saturated fat. But okay. you, you need fat, absolutely. Our brains made of fat, our yeah. nervous system's made of fat, right? So we need good fat. So you want to take in really good fats, like avocados, MCT oil. Yeah, right on. And... Yep. and Stay away from the saturated fat and you'll be much better off. Okay. I would love that. I can make that shift. Well, now that we're talking about fat, it's time to talk about a little known fat. And you maybe kind of touched on it, but do you, Rick, have any kind of something that you can add to this segment called little known fats? A little known fat. That's fun. I like that. (laughs) One of the most intriguing things I found out about this entire process is how quickly your body can adapt to a new norm. And it... The first two to three days is horrendous when you get into any kind of physical activity. But then you start to build, your body starts to get used to that kind of thing and it, it blows my mind. Cause even right now, you know, it, I figured it out at the beginning, but after I got past that third day, it was smooth sailing from that point on. The first three days were disgusting. I mean, just how I was feeling, you know, it was horrible. But even now, you know, if I injure myself, which happens when you work out, you know, there's times where you just push yourself too hard. I hurt my shoulder about two months ago, you know, and now everything's fine again. That's great. But not working out for two weeks, you start to look at your arms. It's like, oh my gosh, my muscles are just atrophying now. And I'm not, it's going to take me a while to get back to where I am. Seriously, it's like one workout. And it's like they just pop right back into place like, oh, there it is again. So that little known fat to me is something that I discovered. And I don't even know why this is, but I know that it is, is that your body just remembers the patterns. So whether they're good patterns or bad patterns, your body's going to remember those. And if you establish those good rhythms, your body can just get right back into shape so fast. That's great. And so, Absolutely. So just start. That's the thing. Exactly. Right <laughs> on. Again, fantastic. Hey, let's have you plug some of your social media as well. And even if you want to talk about your yeah, book real quick. Yeah, absolutely. How do people find you and connect with you? All my handles are Mr. Rick Jordan, MR Rick Jordan. Uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a new podcast that just launched also. And that is All In with Rick Jordan. You know, like you said, I'm pretty... 
discipline with everything that I had. I can't remember how you put it, but I am all in in everything that I go after. I'm passionate awesome. that way. And that's what this is. I just want to help people go from point A to point B in their life, in their business and see genuine transformation. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. Oh, it was a pleasure. It. Thank you. It was great having you. All right. So like and share our podcast and especially share this topic with someone that you care about because there could be some really great information that could actually even help save their life. We will come out with another great podcast on Fast Fit Friday next week. We'll see you then. See you next week.